0: See how strong I am? It'll, it'll move a table. <laughs> Sorry, just had to. Um, today we're talking about the message title is Lost. Have you ever felt like you were lost? Maybe you've been somewhere traveling and you know, you, you go somewhere and you're just in the middle of somewhere and all of a sudden you're just you don't know where you are. You don't know how to get to where you're going. Maybe you know the city, you know the state, but you don't know what street to go. You don't know what direction to take. Uh, it can be really a scary thing, uh, not knowing where you're supposed to be going next. Uh, not too long ago, I had the privilege of going to a, a professional football game, and we were in this garage, parked in this garage, and the GPS or the you know my phone internet stuff didn't work. So I'm like, how do I, after the game, I was nervous because I was like, how do I pull out of this garage and which street do I get on with this massive exodus of everybody leaving the football game? Where do I go? How do I get there? And I was just praying, Lord, just help the GPS to work. But it is amazing. Growing up as a kid, you'd use maps to get where you're going. Like if you're on vacation, you'd actually have to use a physical map. And now we have GPS and we have our phones and everything. But uh, I remember my mom had this Exxon card, and we were so excited because you could actually plan a trip through this Exxon rewards card or whatever it was, and you could send them information about where you're going. You'd get maps and locations, how to get there, you know, places to eat and stuff along the way. But it's just amazing how far we've come. But I want to go back to that. Was there ever a time in your life that you just ended up and you were lost, and you got scared, and you were afraid, and you are like, how am I going to get... To where i'm going or where am i Uh, a lot of times us guys we like to uh, think about how good we are with directions but there are times where we get lost and we're like we don't know what to do next and i think that sometimes we can be a little arrogant with that in the same way we can with god that we think we know the answer and we know how to do it and we know how to go and we know how to live our lives and then things happen in our life that shakes the foundation of who we are and then we start questioning things and we realize there's something wrong with us we're lost and so i want to kind of set the tone in Luke chapter 1 verse 2 1 and 2 so Luke chapter 15 sorry Luke chapter 15, and we're going to stay there most of the time, but if you'd like to turn to your Bibles or use the Bible app, and also, if you ever want to check it out, and if you haven't checked it out, we actually, on the Bible app, or the U version of the Bible app, we actually have... um, Uh, Under the events section, we actually have the service and the script and the the passages that I'm going to be sharing today there. But also, I want to kind of encourage you to check out a three-day devotion that's along with that, because I think it's a really good uh, three-day devotion about this topic. So check that out. So verse 1, it says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, I want us to understand there's two different audiences that are going to be listening to Jesus with this Luke chapter 15. Okay, and I want us to keep that in mind. And, and Jesus is going to share three stories, three parables with us to kind of relay this message that we all need to hear. This message is not just for us, it's for everybody in the entire world to hear this message. And so there's two different groups that are listening to him speak right now. There is the religious establishment. So let's use this side and say this is the religious establishment. This is the Pharisees. The religious leaders of the day are in this group. Okay, he's speaking to this group, but then he's also speaking to the, what the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders considered as sinners, tax collectors. And let's talk about tax collectors, because we all know we don't like tax collection either, do we? But back in this day, the reason why they were hated even more and considered more, even more of a sinner is because it was their own people, Jewish people, taxing their own for the roman government and the roman government didn't care how much they collected in taxes as long as the roman government got their share so they would tax whatever they wanted to pocket their own money so they saw them as traders they saw them as thieves they saw them as taking advantage of a situation as sellouts and so Jesus is speaking to this group of people that are sinners, that are people that, that everybody else considers as people that are outcast and lost, and they consider, he's speaking to this group of Pharisees and religious leaders. And he shares three parables, and today we're going to cover two of those parables. Next week we'll finish up with the prodigal son, which we've probably all heard, but I want to dive deeper today in the first two. And what I think is remarkable is that the fact that Jesus wants to relay this message so much that he shares them back to back to make it clear this is his intention. This is his heart. This is his desire. This is what he wants us to get for us to understand, for us to grow in the knowledge of this. And so he is surrounded by a bunch of different groups. These two groups to be, let's put them in two categories here, and let's read the first parable. Luke chapter 15, verse 4, let's read there. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? So there's, and verse 5, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. So there's three words or three things that I want us to take away from this. Okay, first one is risk. There was a risk involved in the story that the shepherd is leaving the 99 sheep that stayed that were with him, he's leaving them in open country to go look and search out for the one that is lost. So he's actively looking out and he's taking a risk he's willing to risk the 99 to go and look for the one that is lost and i think about this with jesus how did jesus take a risk for us for us to really know how important we are to him and i think about the cross of course but i also think before the cross when he was carrying his cross down Jerusalem, the streets of Jerusalem, and why was that such a pivotal thing for me? Was because he humbled himself, even though he was being hurled or insults and people hated him. And just week before, people were saying "Hosanna in the highest." They thought he was God. They thought he was going to be the king. And then the next week, they're hurling insults at him, and he's humbling himself. And this is what the Roman authority did to people that were crucified. They'd have them walk down through the streets and carry the cross and show that they were under Roman authority, that they were being punished because of what they did, and that you wouldn't want to be that same thing happen to you, would you? And so Jesus took the risk of humbling himself to go the path of being humiliated, being beaten, being bruised, be putting to shame you know when they had that sign above him that says king of kings that was not a respect that was out of disrespect but it was still true he was the king of kings when they put a robe over him when they put the crown of thorns on his head that was a disrespect but he was the king he was the messiah but he was willing to take the risk he was willing to pursue us Thus, that were lost, Thus, us that were on this side, that were saying, Hey, there's something wrong with me. Those that came to hear Jesus, that were sinners, that were tax collectors, that were that were people that were wanting hope. They were like, I don't know how I can get here. I don't know how I could be a religious person. I don't know how I could be good. Well, these people over here, standing here, were thinking they were good enough. But Jesus didn't come for the good enough. He came for those that were lost, those that needed Jesus Christ, those that needed hope. And this is the other thing that he came in pursuit of us. He came to pursue us in the story of the shepherd. He's going out looking and searching, looking on the hillside, looking in the valleys, looking at the water and seeing where that sheep is, looking and searching and looking all over the place for this lost sheep. And so he was in pursuit and Jesus is in pursuit of us. He's in pursuit of all those that don't know who he is. The whole world, he wants to save. He wants to save the whole world. He wants to find that lost one, that one that's lost. He's in pursuit, just like the shepherd. And this is the part, another last word here that kind of speaks to me as I read that passage, was until, until, you know, Jesus hasn't stopped. He didn't stop at the cross. He hasn't stopped, and it's 2,000 years later. And he's he's still giving out hope that somebody would call upon his name and accept him as their personal savior and say, I am lost, I need a savior. I need someone to save me. I don't know where to go, who to turn to. Lord, I'm trusting in you. Save me, Lord. Until, until what? See, Jesus is going to be in pursuit until God says, enough, enough. I'm going to call my people home. I'm going to to make a final judgment here. But until that time, we are living a time of grace where Jesus is calling out and he's saying, listen to me. I'm looking for you. And Jesus sent his Holy Spirit, not just himself, but the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin. And to help us to understand that we need a Savior. I need someone to save me. So until God says enough, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God himself is pouring out and saying, anyone that feels lost, anyone that feels like an outcast, anyone that that wants to hear from me, I want to open my doors to you. I want to find you. I want to look and rejoice over you. And we'll get to that here in a little bit. So let's look at the next story, Luke chapter 15, verse 8. And it says this. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek it diligently until she finds it? Now, a silver coin in this day was about a day's wage. We don't know why uh, she would search so diligently for this lost coin, but it was important to her. It's probably that she needed the money. Now, I don't know about you, but when I lose stuff, I, I... I'm not very good at finding it. I'll admit that right to you right now. My kids aren't very good at it either. If you want to find something in our house, you better ask my wife. <laughs> she does a better job, way better job than I do, because if I go look for something, I'll spend about, you know, I'll go to maybe three or four locations and I'll just kind of generally look, and then I'll stop, I'll be like, I, I can't find it. I don't know where it is. I'll go to the family room, bedroom, living room, can't find it, I'm done. <laughs> it's lost forever. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we all do that, right? My kids, they're, they're bad about too. you know, they'll lose stuff and they're like, I can't find this. I think Xavier's still looking for his AirPod case. Everybody has an extra one, he needs one, but it's some, probably somewhere in the house. But he still hasn't found it. But we're always losing stuff, but how much do we really search it? In this story, though, we see this woman is committed to it. She's diligent about it, like in the last story, but we're going to find out more about her. And here's what I want to look at, is that she looked. She took the time to look for this coin. And she wasn't like me, just kind of halfway doing it or partially doing it. She went all the way and was looking for this coin throughout her house. She was looking at it, and she had this intention to make sure she found it. And I think about that for us. It's like I, was, I just sold a vehicle not too long ago. And it, it is amazing. Like when you have a vehicle, sometimes coins just, they're small. And they just get wedged into places. You're like, Where, where'd all this money come from? If I knew I had this money, I'm like, I'm like $10 richer after I collected all the coins. Um, but this woman took the time to make sure she was diligent about it because she wanted to find this lost coin. So she searched. Now we don't know if how she searched. It says swept. I don't know if that means that she swept like in the the manner of actually using her hands. Or she had a broom but she went from corner to corner through the whole house looking for this coin so she had a systematic approach she had a lamp to light her path to see the corners of the house so she could search through this coin and I'm imagining her getting on her hands and knees and just kind of using her hands to sweep or taking a small broom and sweeping the whole house but she was intention was to find that coin And so, in comparison, what is Jesus doing? He's looking, but he's also searching. He's looking out and saying, Is there anybody that would come after me? Is there anybody that would pursue me? I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you that are lost. I'm looking for you that might respond to my message because I want you. I want you to be found. And she was diligent. She had a systematic approach, and she went through that approach to find the coin. Jesus is diligently searching for those that are lost. He's wanting to reach those. And in this day and age where we see the things happen in our world and in our country that we don't like, I believe that there's still people out there that need to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. And I know God wants that too. And until he calls us home, until he leads us in a different way or something as far as we die or we, 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 he calls us up in a, in a cloud to enrapture happens. Until then, we need to share this message. We need to be searching for those people too. We need to let people know about Jesus Christ. Let's look at the celebration now that happens. We're gonna go back to both stories here. We're gonna go back to the sheep and then we'll talk about the coin. But in verse six, it says this. And when he came home, comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my lost, my sheep that was lost. So we read that one. Let's go ahead and read verse nine. And when she had found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. So what are about these celebrations? And these are things that we should think about as Christians because we can kind of stand over on this side and think, yeah, I've been a Christian for a while and and I'm good and I've done all the good things. And and, you know, we, we start thinking that our works are what's important and it's not, it's not about what I've done. It's about the saving grace of God that I can stand before you and live my life for Christ. It's not what I've done, it's what he did. And so one of the things we should do as Christians is we should be excited about anybody that receives Christ because there's excitement in heaven when this happens. So the first thing I want us to think about is that there's an audience, that those stories involve other people. It's not like they just kind of found the sheep and they're like keeping it to themselves. Oh yeah, I found a sheep, I'm very excited. No, they're excited. They say, hey, come, let's, let's, have, a, let's have a party. Let's have a celebration. The sheep that I lost is found. I'm excited. They don't hold it just inside. God doesn't hold it just inside and we'll get to that more in later but the fact is that there's an audience. There's a celebration that anybody that comes to know Christ, there's a celebration. And we should be celebrating as Christians too when somebody comes to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. What else happens? Rejoicing. Both of them rejoice. The woman invites people over. The man invites people over because they found their lost coin or their lost sheep. But then they also rejoice. They celebrate their joy. There's joy. There should be joy in my heart as a Christian for anybody that comes to Christ. We should be excited. And then the one, the one that was lost. I share a story, and, and people are probably sick of it, but it's a great story. and reminds me of a few weeks ago, we, there was a story in South Carolina about this, this thing that happened where starfish were all over the shore of the beach. And the story goes, there was a little boy that started picking up the starfish and started tossing them back into the water. Each one he'd pick up, and he'd just try to toss them, and he, he kept doing it. An older gentleman came up to him and said, Son, you can't save them all. The little boy looked at the next starfish he had in his hand, he looked at it, and he looked back at the older man, and he said, yes, but I can save this one. And he tossed it back into the water. One life matters. A difference that we can make in somebody's life it matters. I think about how I came to Christ. I think about how maybe you have came to Christ. That your life matters. When I hear great stories of like Billy Graham and Billy Graham came from Charlotte, North Carolina and there was a man that was on his property that prayed before Billy Graham even thought about being a Christian. At 16 years old, there was this man that came and prayed at his property, at his house and said, Lord, send us somebody out of Charlotte, North Carolina that will go evangelize to the whole world to let the whole world know about your gospel. And then Billy Graham came from that. One life matters. Every life we impact for Christ, whether it's Operation Christmas Child, whether it's Upwards, whether it's children's ministry, and and just because we experience a pandemic, does that mean we should stop sharing about Jesus Christ? Does that mean we should stop letting people know about the saving grace of God, that God can save somebody's life, that God can take somebody that's lost and feels like they're without something and and not knowing that there's something wrong with them and God, that we can let them know that they can have peace with God. So many times we need to get away from this side of the table and make sure that we have the right heart on this side of the table that says, I need you, God. I need you. And so now we're gonna move into just so or in the same way depending on your translation. So Luke chapter 15, verse seven, this follows up with the lost sheep. And then we're gonna read another one that follows up with uh, the lost coin. Verse seven, it says this. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Wow. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner somebody that's over here on this side the tax collector the sinner the prostitute the people that are in the world that you know struggle with their sexual identity the people that 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 have other thoughts and think government is going to save them instead of god or they put somebody else ahead of them or they do things that hurts people all these people can be saved by the same god that saved me There'll be more rejoicing over one sinner who repents over the 99 that think they're righteous. Let me just tell you, and let's just actually just read it. None of us are righteous, right? Romans chapter 3, verse 9 through 11 says this. What then? Are we Jews any better off? So Paul's talking about his heritage. He's saying, hey, I'm a Jew. Are we better off because we're Jews? He says, no, not at all. For we, have already, we, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. We're all sinners. We're all failed. And as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. No one's right. So why is it Jesus talking about this 99? Because these people right here don't have the right attitude to be saved. They are conf- so confident in their abilities. They're so confident in what they have. They're so confident in who they are. They don't think they need God. We don't want to be like this. We don't want to harden our hearts to God thinking we're righteous, that we've done works or we've done things to, to make us better off. When we're still in this category, we still need a Savior. I still need God's grace. I still need God's forgiveness. I still need to put my trust in Jesus and my Savior. He's the way, the truth, and the life. I'm lost without him. He is my GPS. His word is my map. Luke chapter 15 verse 10. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God, ever one sinner who repents. So again, it goes back to that audience. It's not something that God just says, woo. It's not like the bell you ring at Arby's after you get a good meal, okay? I just wanna make that clear. It's not the little bell at Arby's. Or Long John's I think had them, didn't they have long? Anyhow, getting off track. But anyhow, the, the idea of this is that there is a celebration going on. There is an excitement. God is announcing to the angels, hey, we've got another one. We've saved another one. Somebody else has trusted my son. With their life, there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. That's how much, that's how important it is. It's so important that Jesus tells three parables to get the message across, just like he encouraged Peter three times. He wanted to make sure that the message was loud and clear why he came. John chapter 12, verse 44 through 48, it says this. And Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in the one who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words, and does not keep them, I do not judge them. Whoa, whoa, what is Jesus saying here? What did he just say? He came, Jesus came, spoke words of eternal life, and he's saying, I don't judge you if you don't listen to me right now. I'm not gonna judge you. I'm not gonna condemn you. We live in this time of grace. Do you realize that? We have this time of grace now. It doesn't mean we should abuse it like Paul talks about. You don't want to abuse grace, but we live in a time of grace where God is saying, I'm going to wait to the last possible second for anyone to choose to follow me. And Jesus is saying, and I just think this is so commendable of his leadership and his heart, his servant heart. He's saying, I mean, just think about it. It was God fully man. Jesus was living here upon the earth, and he's saying, if you don't listen to my words right now, I'm not the one that's going to judge you right now but he doesn't leave it off just there because we got to continue And what else does he say here he says for I do not come to judge the world but to save the world he came to save he came to rescue he came to restore those that were broken those that were captive he came to rescue the lost But he continues on, he says, when the judgment does come, he says, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. He's talking about God. He says, the word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So you will be judged, there will be a judgment, but it's gonna be of what you did with Jesus. What did you do with his son? Did you choose to follow him? Did you choose to accept him as Lord and savior of your life? My question for all of us is Are we lost? Do we think we know where we're headed? Do we think we're gonna go? You know, do we think we're just a good person? We do we recognize that we need help. And are we willing to say, I need help? Because Jesus is looking for each one of us. And he's not just looking for those of us that are in this room or watching online or wherever you're at. He's looking for everybody in the world and he's looking for those that would turn their lives to him, follow him. He loves you and he's searching out there constantly looking for those that recognize there's something wrong, looking for those that recognize there's issues in their life, that there's a door that can be opened. There's one story I want to share before I close today. and It's a story about a, a submarine, uh, 1939. And uh, I keep trying to remember the word, and I, I practice, and then I can't remember the name of the ship. and I'm always, It's like squash, but it's not squash. <laughs> Somebody will help me out. I'll, I'll figure it out eventually. But the, 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 the this, this submarine sank. It was just off the coast of New Hampshire and it sank. It had some issues. They were doing some diving testing, and it sank 243 feet deep in the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. And at this time, they had never successfully rescued anybody below 20 feet, okay? So there's 33 men that are still alive in this submarine. They don't even know where the submarine is. They have to send ships out to search just off the coast there. They knew approximately where it was, but they were looking, they were searching, and finally they found this ship. And the 33 men that were still alive on there, they were able to communicate finally with Morse code, communicating back and forth. And they were able to send this bell, this what I call a saving bell, but it's called a diving bell, and they used this thing to go down deep in the ocean and be able to attach itself to this submarine. And it'd bring six or seven people up at a time to save their lives. And there's some old footage video, if you ever get interested, you wanna check it out, of some of the people coming off that submarine and, and family members are just waiting there, scared to death of what's happening. You talk about being lost. These Navy shipmen were lost just off the, the shore, off the coast of New Hampshire. But they were still lost. They were scared. They thought they were going to die. Some of their comrades or some of their uh, friends did die. But they, each one of them that were still alive, the 33, were able to be taken out by this diving bell. And none of them questioned and said, "Hey, should I? Should I really put my faith in this equipment? Or should I? Should I? You know, I want to kind of live my. I don't want to, I don't want to do it this way. I think I'll just go out the other way." Or they all put their trust in this equipment to raise them up out of the water so that they could be scared, spared. And I know we've heard stories of minors and other things, other people being rescued like that, but here's my point, is that Jesus provided a way for us all to be rescued. He provided his Son to be the bridge, and he is the conduit that we look to. He is the staff that has been raised in front of us to say, "If you want to come to me, God is saying." You come through my son. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so there's only one way. Jesus has provided that way for all of us, provided that way for the world. It's our job as Christians to share this message, to let people know about what Christ has done for us, to share the good news. And it doesn't, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to share the story. You just share what God has done in your life. Share what God has done for you. How Christ has come and changed your life. And as you share that message, the Holy Spirit can do His job in convicting that person, revealing things to that person, and you can help them walk into that relationship with Jesus together, not alone. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I ask you to just be with us. Continue to help us to reach Help us to be passionate about it. Help us to have joy in our hearts over people coming to Christ, Lord. It is so important that we share this message. Lord, we live in a world that is in chaos at times. We live in a world that that is depressed, that is discouraged, that is always looking downward. And Lord, what we need to look at is your son and putting our faith and trust in you. And so Lord, help us with that process. Help us share the good news. Help us to let people know what you've done for us and what you can do for them. Lord, there are so many people out there that are looking and they're looking in the wrong places because they don't know. They don't have anyone to show them. Lord, help us to be the ones that can show them and through your Holy Spirit working and working in us and working in them that we can help reach them for you. I thank you so much for this time and I ask you to just be with us and speak to us and help us to continue. Whether we have COVID or not, it doesn't matter. The message still goes. The message still needs to be shared. Lord, you are the way, the truth, and the life. In your wonderful, precious name, I pray, Jesus, amen.